wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, May 28th, 2020. I am Graham Giusa Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Before we bring on Mr. Marceau to talk all things AEW Double or Nothing 2020 and much more, a few things I want to bring up real quickly. Um, so I have a bunch of interviews in the can I'm hoping to air here on the show in the coming weeks. So I still have my Montez Ford interview on tap for tomorrow. It was supposed to be today. But it's actually coming up tomorrow. It got bumped to early Friday. We're talking about his recent rivalry alongside Angelo Dawkins in the Street Profits. He is one half of the Raw Tag Team Champions, in case you didn't know. We're talking their recent rivalry with the Viking Raiders. Um, That's coming up tomorrow. So I may soon air the audio of that interview here on the show, whether it be next week or the week after. I also have sit in the can my exclusive interview, as they mentioned before here on the show, with one-fourth of the Tenderloins, the Impractical Jokers, Brian Q. Quinn. Talking all things, uh, the Impractical Jokers, their new movie, the Misery Index, which is airing weekly now on TBS, as well as working with WWE, hoping to work with WWE, a lot of wrestling-related memories and whatnot. That'll either be going up next week or the week after. But I also, in addition to the Montez interview and the Brian Q. Quinn interview, I'll be talking to Rulon Gardner today about his all-new documentary, Rulon Gardner Won't Die. He's an Olympic gold medalist from 2000. For Greco-Roman Wrestling, great guy, great documentary, well worth checking out. I don't think it's readily available yet, and it won't be until at some point later on this year, next year on the Olympic Channel. Um, He's not Kurt Angle, but I do want to ask him about Kurt Angle and much, much more. That article should be up with our interview at some point in the next week. But what I'm trying to say is the audio of that interview, which is going to be a great interview, I'm sure, before I talk to him a little later on today, that should be up either, again, maybe not next week, but the week after, or three weeks from now. So there's a lot of interviews set to be airing here on the show in the near future. I still don't know when I can drop my Matt Riddle and Rhea Ripley interviews. Those should be up at some point down the road. So uh, very busy times going on right now here in the WrestleRant radio world. I've interviewed so many people in this month alone, and it's been awesome. So I'm looking forward to June. And uh, speaking of June, next week is our first show in the month of June on June 4th, two days removed for my 25th birthday, which I can't cannot believe. I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, that we have Mr. Marceau right here on WrestleRant Radio waiting on the line to help me break down AEW, Double or Nothing, Raw, Dynamite, and everything else in between. Real quickly, though, before we get to that, you guys could check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, not only on NextAirWrestling.net, but on WrestleRantRadio.com. Yes, I secure the URL. You can check it out. Go there. It's just an additional page on the website. For more information here on the show, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Radio, or I'm sorry, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. New episodes every single Thursday. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. 
So that being said, let's invite on right now Mr. Marceau to help me talk all things Double or Nothing and much, much more. Mr. Marceau, welcome back to WrestleRant Radio, my friend. Thanks for having me back, GSM. Mr. Marceau, it's not even a question of whether you're you're going to be back at at this point. You know, it's just more a matter of what are we talking about from week to week. Seriously, it's just a timing thing, not when, just where. (laughs) At this point, I called up the Red Sox and I said, hey, can you keep Mr. Marceau at home for as long as humanly possible so I can get as many shows out of this guy as I can? Love it, love it. I mean, (laughs) I don't think we have any kind of, doesn't seem like there's any kind of return date in the near future, so... I was going to say, no update on the uh, on the quarantine situation. I know it's a little bit better here. We're opening more stuff up, which is good. But what about over there in Mass? I, where I live, I live out in the suburbs, so it's been like opening up a little bit more around here. But uh, the governor and mayor are being pretty strict about Boston still, so who knows at this point. Yeah, we'll soon see. I know there's no word on SummerSlam as of right now, and that's quickly approaching, a little less than three months away. Um, but before we go any further with all the talk about Double or Nothing, which I do want to get your thoughts on after you watched it on my free BR Live account, of course, <laughs> didn't have the dish out 50 bucks. I gave that account to maybe uh, I think you and another friend of mine who watched the show. But nonetheless, though, um, today, May 28th, does mark the 34th birthday of your favorite, the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. Crazy to think that he's only 34, and that when he won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania five years ago, I think he was only 28, because five years ago he would have been 29, that was prior to his birthday, so he would have been 28 years old. And it's kind of crazy to think he's been around for so long in WWE, and he had been wrestling long before that as well. He's been with the company for about 10 years so he joined when he was, you know, younger than I am right now, 24 years old, younger than the both of us, and he had been with Ring of Honor years before that. So that's insane to me, but um, he's been around for a long time. He will be around for a long time to come at only 34 years old. I mean, Jericho just won the AEW title a couple of months ago at almost at the age of 50. So there's no telling how long Rollins will be around for. No complaints here. We're both big fans of the Monday Night Messiah. Maybe not so much Popper Marceau, not your father, but um, I know you are a big fan of the Monday Night Messiah. So on this day, as we honor and observe the holiday, the birthday of Seth Rollins, what are some of your favorite Seth Rollins matches, memories, and moments? Um, I, I would I'd probably say it's the quick three matches. The match at SummerSlam when we went against John Cena. I mean, probably one of my favorite matches of his. Great match. Of course. Fucking love the double champ status there. Uh, the triple threat with Cena and Brock at Royal Rumble. Fucking amazing match. Um, the triple threat at WrestleMania. I mean, it wasn't really his match, but, I mean, he got in there. That Randy Orton match as well was really fun in that show. Um, i trying to think what else. The triple threat at WrestleMania 34. Great match. Basically, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a match that he's had that was like I would say was really, really bad. Maybe the stuff with Kane wasn't the greatest, but mm-hmm. besides that, I mean, the guy's really never had like real stinkers. So check out anything, but those are just a quick couple matches I would definitely check out. And you've had the pleasure of meeting him as well back at SummerSlam Access five years ago. How was that experience? I know you wrote all about it in one of your first articles for uh, Next Era and Dinette all those years ago. It was good. I mean, I wish I got a little bit more time. Those WWE ones can they can just kind of get you in and out, but. Mm-hmm. I remember I was I was probably one of the first people online. I was the only person that had that uh, like the John Cena parody shirt. Like uh, you can't see me. He was like great shirt right there, and I was like, yeah, loved it. Shook his hand, like nice guy. I mean, took a good picture. So he's nice to me. I, don't know, I think other people. I've seen people say he's kind of like a dick, but I mean, I don't know. He was nice to me. I guess kind of kind of depends on the setting that you get in these people. Like he he knew what he's kind of getting himself into. It's like a select amount of people, so mm-hmm. it's not like he 
he could be there for a lot longer than that. But they were nice, quick, nice, easy little thing. So definitely one of my biggest uh, wrestling memories so far. Do you still have that shirt, or is it part of that wrestling blanket that you have now? Oh, I still have it. You still have the shirt. I haven't seen it worn in a while. I haven't seen that shirt in some time. I'm pretty sure when I sent you... You sent me some picture of it at some point recently. Yeah, it was the last show. I think for WrestleMania, I sent you all my Rollins shirts. I was like, which one should I wear? And I oh, sure. right. Yeah. It was definitely one of them. I think... Um, I, I definitely... I think I see it right now. I think it's in a paw right next to me. I but, think uh, I, I showed that picture to Alexis, and she's like, oh, what's that shirt? And I had to explain her. I'm like, listen, you dumb mark. And I'm just I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I had to explain her the origin of the T-shirt because, you know, that was, you know, way back when, five years ago. And I'm like, you know, can't see me, can't see me. She's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, it was a great shirt. Well, Mr. Marceau bought that. I remember you texted me. You were so head over heels over that shirt because it's such a great, you know, the parody shirts I'm not a big fan of, like, when Daniel Bryan did it. I know you're a Daniel Bryan fan, as am I. But when he had that The Beard Is Here shirt, I'm like, come on, dude. That's just that's just stupid. And then it like pointed up to like his beard. It was really dumb. But I think the Seth Rollins one was really well done though. Yeah, I think that just the design, the coloring, it's kind of just different. Most of the shirts are black. This one's gray, so it's kind of just that has a different kind of look to it as well. It has like the yellow, so yeah. nice shirt. Glad I still have it. Yeah, none of the Rollins shirts got turned into a blanket. Don't worry. No, I hope not. I hope not. I was going to say, I completely forgot about that picture you sent me of all the Seth Rollins shirts, and they're all... Yeah, he's one of the few people, I would say, on WWE, in WWE right now, that has consistently some of the best merch, even up to the shirt that he has now. Did you end up buying that shirt or no? Yeah, I have it. Okay, I thought I thought you did. But, um, you know, he has consistently some of the best shirts out there. Him... Uh, Brock did for a while. I'm not sure what they've had out what they've had out for him recently, but he was one of the few people that had some great merch there for a while a couple of years ago. Um, not many more I can think of beyond those guys, but definitely the Undisputed Era being another one. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday to the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, 34 years old, young today, amazing. Uh, we are talking about AEW Double or Nothing 2020 from last Saturday, which overall I thought was a very good show. To kind of answer your own question, RJ, before we go any further with our in-depth analysis and review of the pay-per-view, um, where do you think this pay-per-view, as you asked me on Wednesday's hashtag AskGSM, ranks among all the other events that AEW has done to date from Double or Nothing last year, which we were in attendance for, All Out, Revolution, and um, Full Gear from November? Uh, I would go with your rating. Uh, I, would, I mean, it is a little biased since we were there, but... I mean, just the energy for Double or Nothing, the first show was ridiculous. I mean, the, watching it back, was the show perfect? No, but I think just being there, the crowd was going bananas. The first, pretty much anything. That Joshi match, they were ripping their pants off. So uh, <laughs> that show was just great. Although I, I would definitely agree with you, it was definitely, I would say, the second best show that they've had so far. It had a good amount of good matches on there. I would put the show on Sunday, third, and then Lump Revolution, and uh, full gear kind of in that fourth and fifth category. I don't really count the Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fall. Those are definitely, like you said, the two weakest shows so far. Um, but, I mean, I don't think they really were meant to be great shows anyways, kind of just getting the awareness of the company out there. But I, I would def- it was a good show. I wouldn't say it was perfect at all. I think they had some things just didn't either live up to expectation or just didn't hit as well, at least in my mind. So... Good show, but I would say it's probably second or third best show they've had so far. I agree, and I think that goes to show how good all the shows have been for the most part. Um, Not even for the most part, all the shows have been very good to great. I have yet to see an AEW pay-per-view that I would say, oh, that was bad or that was disappointing. Um, all the shows have been very entertaining. I thought Friday, or rather Saturday's Double or Nothing was no exception. May not be the best pay-per-view they've ever done, and it's and it's tough to ha- you know it's tough to even have the greatest pay-per-view. 
of all time when there's no fans there. But I thought they, you know, did well with the people that were there in the crowd, the wrestlers, the family, or, you know, the families of the wrestlers, whoever. They had some random people, like, in the, not immediate crowd, but, like, in the back a little bit. You could hear them, but you couldn't see them. Yep. I'm not sure, you know, who those people were. Um, but I thought of that added to the atmosphere. Did you catch the buy-in match between best friends and private party with the winners earning a future tag team title opportunity? I did not. So best friends won. They beat private party. Not a great match. It was good. Definitely. You know, we've talked before about how the, some of the women's matches lately have been sloppier than a sloppy Joe. This was a bit sloppy too. At certain points, I gotta say, um, I think that might be more of a private party thing. I'm a big private party guy. We saw them beat the young bucks on the second ever episode of dynamite in Boston live, uh, back in October. These guys have fallen farther than, a, I don't even know, a stack of bricks or whatever the expression is since that point. They have done absolutely nothing. They lost again here. Despite, I mean, they've won. They said, oh, they won four of their last five matches. How much does that really mean when all of those matches are on dark and they're all against losers? I have yet to see them win like an important match in AEW since beating the Bucks back in October. So what do you think can be done to really rehab Private Party during a time now where they bring in FTR, which we'll get to, they're still focusing on the Bucks and all these other tag teams. What can be done to uh, rehab Private Party, in your opinion? It's going to be tough. Um, like you said, they haven't really had too many big wins besides that win against the Bucks in the show that we went to. But like you said, with adding in more teams and kind of, there's just, I not that I think that they're dead in the water, just... They just have, you know, we discussed this a few weeks ago. They just have so many tag teams that they're not doing anything with. I mean, after they beat the Bucks, I thought, okay, like, hey, maybe they have some steam. They did lose later on the tournament. I didn't expect them to win anyways, but I'm like, okay, like, got a big win. Like, that'll help them out probably. Uh, obviously, they're going to lose, but they'll keep some momentum. But like you said, since that win, they really haven't had any big wins since then. That's kind of the only one they've had, so... It'll be interesting to see what they do with them. And like you said, with a revival coming in, still dealing with the Bucks. Other teams are getting more opportunities. It'll be tough, especially when the Lucha Bros come back and they kind of focus on them more. I, it just, I think it's one of those things. There's just so many teams that they're just at this point, one of those teams that's just not getting the recognition that they need and kind of just being thrown on the wayside. I know everyone thought, oh, tag team wrestling is going to be a big deal on the show, which it is. But you just can't push everyone. I feel like at this point they're six or seven team down that just don't really see much in the near future for them seeing any major success. So what's going on with the tag team division? Because the best friends earned the future, uh, you know, title opportunity here, which we were told they were the new number one contenders, which we predicted because they've been all over the show lately. I'm not sure if I predicted that. You definitely did. I think I agreed with you, but I don't remember from last week. Um, but you know, we predicted best friends to win. They did. And then mere days later on dynamite, uh, I almost said Jack Evans and Helico. I mean, God forbid where the hell those guys have been, but, uh, it was Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc beating SCU's, uh, Frankie Gazarian and Scorpio sky to also earn a future tag team title opportunity, which we, which we, uh, they will get next week against the returning hangman page and Kenny Omega. So, do you expect, I mean, obviously that's an interim thing. Do you think the best friends will likely get their shot at some point down the road? Do you think they save it for all out, maybe? They said last night, I believe, it's they'll face the winners at Fighter Fest. I'm pretty sure I saw a graph for Oh, that. right, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, best friends will face whoever wins, but just I don't get that. So you're having a number one contenders match when there's already a number one contender just to do next week. I don't know. It doesn't really make much sense to at all. I think they just are just throwing a tag team match, title match on the show just to get more buzz, but you already have a tag team that's number one contenders. I don't know. It's very convoluted. 
wouldn't that make best friends number two contenders then, technically? Technically, it would. Yeah, it would make them number two contenders if they're getting their shot sucking. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I don't know. I don't really get it, honestly. So we're getting Paige and Omega versus Havoc and Sabian next week. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier. What do you think the end game is? We talked a lot about Paige and Omega as a tag team. They're great together. I honestly hope, selfishly, they stick together for a while longer just so we can see them as a team in person when we eventually go to Dynamite. It might not be until 2025 at this point, but at some point with a Dynamite Boston show being postponed you know, at least once already, uh, what's the end game of these guys? Do they drop the belts to Havoc and Sabian next week or to our best friends at Fighter Fest? How far do they go with Paige and Omega as the tag team champions? I really don't know. It seems like last night and from Sunday they were teasing being back together, like being friendly again. They weren't teasing any tension. They were kind of on the same page again. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Maybe next week they beat Havoc and and Sabian, but there's still some kind of miscommunications going on. So they could probably either drop it to best friends um, down the line somewhere. But, I mean, they, they were teasing a lot of tension before this all happened, and now it doesn't seem like they're kind of teasing that anymore. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But like I said, like you said, I'm selfishly speaking, I hope, I hope they keep the titles until at least we get to see them. Are best friends the right team to take the belts off of them? Is it FTR? Is it someone else I'm not thinking of? So I like best friends. I just, I don't know. They just seem, they've, they're on the show a lot, which is great, but they don't seem like tag team champions at this point. They just seem like another team at this, at, at this realm. I would say probably like a team like the Revival would probably make the most sense because they like, they're kind of a big deal and they haven't really lost. Like best friends have traded wins and losses so many times. They're just so, they're just like another team at this point. They're like saving and havoc. They're just like, yeah, they're winning, but they're not really beating anyone that important. They do lose a handful of times. It just like, would I be happy for the best friends? Yeah, because the end game for Omega and Heyman's clearly not in the tag team title in like their ranks. But that you're as as your tag team champions, I think you want people that are like either more polarizing or just people that actually win a lot. Which best friends they trade too many losses in my mind. But yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've seen Paige and Omega versus Santana and Ortiz yet, but again, they're another team that it feels like they win, they lose, they win, they lose. Very few teams, despite the abundance of teams that they have, which we've discussed in detail before, here, and elsewhere, that they have a lot of teams, a lot of great teams, but very few of them actually feel special because it feels like a lot of these teams win or, uh, you know, they win and lose. It's like 50-50 booking, which we... You know, we, we not make fun of, but criticize WWE for quite a bit. And it feels like an AEW, not with everyone, but at least in the tag team division, private party don't feel special. The Locha Bros, God forbid, how many times have those guys have lost? I mean, how many times did they lose the best friends, Paige and Omega? It feels like they lose constantly. So, uh, you know, I think they could do a better job of that. But yeah, best friends, they, they, it might be them, but I think the Revival might make more sense. And then you can make the Revival versus the Young Bucks program, a tag team title program at some point uh, down the road. But we'll get to the Revival soon enough on our Dynamite thoughts. Um, to kick off the actual show at Double or Nothing, we had the Casino Ladder Match. So as opposed to the Casino Battle Royale that we got last year with like, you know, every five people coming in at once, which, I, you know, every at every interval or whatever. I like that. I do like this gimmick as well. It's better than having nine people in the ring at all times. I think that's just a mess. When I heard there were nine people in there to begin with, I'm like, all right. That just feels like they're getting people on the show simply for the sake of getting them on the show. Um, but I think here it really felt like they were giving people enough time to shine. My only real criticism of the match is that it, A, it wasn't the greatest ladder match I've ever seen. I don't think anyone can say that. It was very good, far from amazing. 
And the second thing being that there was way, which I know you agree with, way too much interference from Jimmy Havoc. I think Daniels may have been out there, the rest of SCU. Um, Penelope Ford, I believe, was out there at one point. There, there's definitely more people I'm not thinking of. But they had a lot of interference. Best friends, they came out with Orange Cassidy at one point. Um, a lot of different interference. I thought that was a little overdone, not necessary. But a very good match overall with the debuting Brian Cage. He's not a man, he's a machine. Beating out Darby Allen, Luchasaurus, Cole Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, and Frankie Kazarian to earn a future AEW World Championship shot. So not only is Cage here, not only is he the new number one contender to the top title, he's also being aligned with Taz. So all three things I like a lot. I'm a big Brian Cage fan. It was rumored back in January that he was coming in. He got hurt, I believe, at Impact, that last pay-per-view that he was on. Um, he's been out ever since, but he's been signed to AEW reportedly ever since. And they waited until the right moment to bring him in. I thought this was perfect. I don't know when we recorded the show last week that we said Brian Cage. I don't remember. I don't think so. So I thought this was a great surprise. Mr. Marceau, your thoughts on the debuting Brian Cage, not a man, a machine rather, winning this ladder match and becoming the new number one contender to the title. Definitely a big shock. We, I know we didn't mention him last week. I don't think either of us did. I honestly totally forgot about him since since he left TNA. Just totally blanked on it. But definitely a big surprise. I mean, it was def- I was very surprised to see him. I don't know. I don't really remind, remember him talking too much. So maybe him with Taz is a good mouthpiece. In my mind, it was just like another guy with another manager. So, like, maybe he does need a manager. I don't really remember him talking too much in Lucha. So, um, I mean, I don't think he's a great talker. He doesn't look like a great talker. So, he probably could use a manager. Um so I'm, I'm glad he got the opportunity. I, I think it brings him in a bigger bigger light, make him seem like a bigger deal to casuals or people that really aren't familiar with him. Like, oh, he's going to tag a title match right off the bat. So it must be like a big deal. So that's good. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy. seems like he's had a lot of injuries in the, in the past couple couple of years with TNA and Lucha. Um, but no, I thought the match was all right. I mean, I, I didn't love the concept. I know you said you liked the concept. I just It's one of those things that they do it every year. It's just one of those things you just – are they going to wait till everyone comes in? Like, are they going to one year maybe only five guys are getting into the match and someone wins before the other guys get in? That like, makes sense. I, I agree with that. But I think it's, if done right, it could be pretty neat. Like, if two guys start off, one guy could win off the bat, and everyone else is just like SOL at that point. But if they have to wait every year, they do it at double or nothing, and they do, or any time they do this particular match, and then – Everyone gets in, and then that's when someone wins. I just think it's kind of dumb at that point. Now, if they had three guys out there and someone just ran up the ladder and got it, and the other guy's just shit out of luck, that would be kind of neat because it's just like you don't know what kind of draw you are. doesn't give everyone like the same opportunity. It kind of is what it is. But if they have to wait till everyone comes out, and then that's how they kind of do Like, SCU, in that aspect, SCU should just fought out between them, and one of them could have got a title shot, in theory. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't really love it because – Especially with those two teams, it's like they should have been like me and you fight it out. Whoever gets it gets it. Screw it. It's like why why bother fighting seven other people if you had to? So, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, it was a fun match. Like you said, everyone kind of got their spot and stuff. The interference was ridiculous. Like you said, I'm pretty sure anyone that had any kind of alliance or manager, they were all interfering. Penelope Ford, um, best friends came out at one point. Like you said, Havoc. Um, just, I just don't want I. That's probably one of my biggest pet peeves in wrestling, just over-interference, and that's kind of just what ruined it for me. I thought it was a decent match, good for Cage, but 
they need to line up on the interference. Yeah, no, I totally agree. There was way too much interference with this one, and I, I, I totally agree with what you, with what you're saying about like why wouldn't someone win it before like the rest of the competitors come out? It's a little unfair to the people who come out last because the match could be won theoretically before they even enter. Um, all right, so I kind of take back what I said about it being an annual thing because I feel like the more that I think about it, this was all about. Despite having fun moments here and there, this was all about Brian Cage. Obviously, they had him come out last for a reason. They had that ninth mystery entrant. I mean, if they had him start out, it's like, all right, the guy's winning. You know, like, I think they did that for a reason so they could build to him coming out to win the match. So I agree. Unless they're going to have someone debut and win it every single year at, at entrant number nine, like the Royal Rumble or some shit. You know, I I thought it might be like, oh, you got to throw them over the top rope or like you have to eliminate someone by pinning them. And then it comes down to like the final two people and they fight it out in a ladder. Like I thought that might have been inter- I thought that might have been interesting. That might have been where they were going with it. Obviously not. But um, nonetheless, I like the match. Brian Cage in AEW officially. He is now going to be facing John Moxley at a on a date to be determined. Uh, at Fighter Fest, they have not yet secured a date for that. I'm not sure if it's going to be in June, July. They haven't said yet. They just said this summer. Um, with Moxley only having held the championship since February, do you think that it's the right time for Cage to win the championship, or would it be too soon and that Moxley, uh, Moxley will likely retain? I would say it's too soon, at, at, at least in the immediate future, um, especially with, they said, I would say at least keep the belt on, on Moxley until All Out, which is supposed to be in August. I mean, that's what I would do. I think he's been a good champion so far. I think he's plenty of people to defend against. I think, theoretically, I would have him lose it to Kenny down the line somewhere. So that's what I would do. Um, but like I said, oh, I still don't want them breaking up. But um, that's what I would I would have I would have him hold on the title until he lost it to Kenny. That's, that's what I would think. Yeah, well, that too. I mean, they could do that at all out, but another option is I, I would think the more that I think about it now, now that everyone, for the most part, is back on the roster, I mean, except for like Pentagon and Pack and Riho, I mean, it's definitely the minority that aren't on the show. Now, I'm not talking about like race or anything, but like definitely like a few uh, a few people that aren't on the show at the moment between Pentagon, Riho, and um, what, did, what did they say? Pack. Pack, Pentagon, and Riho. But uh, at, at all out, what you could do. You could do, I'm thinking, Omega and Page, assuming they drop the tag team titles before then. I hate to say that because I do want to see them in person, but they could drop the tag team titles before that. Maybe a number one contenders match, perhaps. But at the show, I mean, I would assume Cage loses as well. I think it's too soon. I like Cage, but too soon. Um, He might be just a challenger of the month type of guy. But obviously, I would think, based off what we saw on Wednesday, it would have to be Moxley and MJF for the AEW World Championship at All Out, right? Yeah, I thought it was kind of strange that MGF was in that match just to begin with. Why would he like lower his standards when he's already beat Cody Warren and two he's undefeated? I thought that was kind of weird, but I would say he should be the next guy fighting for the title in like an actual program, but we'll see what happens. Speaking of MGF knocking off Jungle Boy on the show, nothing on the line, just a very good match. I thought the best pure wrestling match in the entire show. I thought this was a great performance from MGF and what was probably his best match in AEW to date. I thought the Cody match was good, but a little underwhelming. We talked about that at the time um, over text and whatnot. He, he's had some good matches, but he's, you know, I think this might have been his best. And Jungle Boy had a great showing in defeat, too. So what were your thoughts on this outing, Mr. Marceau? I thought it was a great match. I think this is, I thought this was going to be another kind of MJF match, you know, 
I think people going in that don't really know him that well just don't think he's that great of a wrestler. I think he's more of a character. But I think this is kind of what they went out for. It's just these two guys are going to have a great match. And they did. I thought it was a really entertaining match. Definitely his best match I've ever seen. Um, same with Jungle Boy. I thought they both had a really good match and kind of just put them over as just great wrestlers as well. I think that I think this is more to showcase MJF because I think people already kind of figured or kind of know that Jungle Boy is a good wrestler. I think MJF, they think it's more kind of like dirty heel but i mean i thought he put on a great match i thought he had a great showing and uh i think both guys came out winners even though jungle boy took the loss yeah no definitely i think jungle boy's really been impressing lately obviously went on to win the battle royal on dynamite to earn a um an aew tnt championship opportunity next week so looking forward to that we'll get to that in a moment a little bit later on but mjf looking uh you know great as always uh, his first real breakout performance as i would call it like you said a great match and uh, remaining undefeated in AEW as he brought up on Wednesday's Dynamite. Uh, speaking of Cody, he did face Lance Archer on the show to become the inaugural AEW TNT champion, knocking off the previously undefeated Lance Archer. A good match, the match I said last week I was most looking forward to coming into the show, and it definitely fell below my expectations. That could have been a little bit better. I think Archer looked good. Cody, you know, was good too. Um, I think the thing with Cody matches is that they definitely benefit from having... A crowd there. Now, that's not the sole factor, because I thought the match he had, surprisingly, with Joey Janela on Dynamite a couple of weeks ago, was very good. So it's not that he can have, you know, he can only have great matches with a crowd, blah, blah, blah. I think, um, specifically with Cody, the crowd benefits his matches, and I don't know, it never really felt like there was any drama there until the end. You had Mike Tyson at ringside who never really added anything, yawned at one point, which was funny. Um, just a good match, and I know we both wanted Archer to win, but in retrospect to me, it might make more sense to have Cody be the inaugural champion just to do the open challenge type thing, which we'll get to later on. Um, but have you changed your mind at all, RJ, on Cody being, uh, being the inaugural champion? Um, I, I just, the only thing I think the positive was getting like name recognition, kind of people know who Cody Rhodes is, not a lot of people know who Lance Archer is. First champion, you kind of want people to remember who it is. I mean, Archer just kind of flames out, he doesn't look too hot for the company, so I mean, it is what it is, but like you said, I, I didn't love the match, like you said, it, it felt a little bit lower than my expectations, didn't really, like you said, had any drama until the very end. The freaking Arn and Jake stuff, like, cares. That's just another thing, like, Arn. I don't, did he even, I don't even remember him really getting involved and he got thrown out of the match. And, I mean, why? And like you said, Mike Tyson didn't really bring any value to it at all. Like, <laughs> like you said, when he yawned, I, I kind of laughed. I thought that was kind of funny. But just, it was a good match. just wasn't to what I thought it was going to be. Got to say this real quick. That is, you are now one for four, my friend. Four more to go, one down in terms of your bold predictions in 2020. You said that AEW would debut a, uh, a secondary championship, which wasn't all that bold. We kind of figured that. But you said it would be won by Cody, and you're correct. So you are now you know, one down for your bold predictions. Four more to go. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> the rest of your predictions real quickly. I'm looking at them right now. Tessa Blanchard going to WWE over AEW, which is to be determined. I don't know when her contract expires. It was supposed to expire in the summer, but that might have changed with the whole COVID thing. She hasn't been on Impact TV in a while. Um, you said Sonya Deville will win the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championships, which I think is inevitable after all the great work she's been doing lately, so I really hope that's the case. You also said Survivor Series would finally have stakes come November. Um, hopefully that's uh, in the case as well. And you also said, again, not too far off, Hangman Page becoming the new AEW World Champion. So your bold predictions may soon become a reality in the remainder of 2020. Hopefully. I mean, 
Sounds good to me. I mean, I'd be happy with all those. So <laughs> I know you would be, and I'm looking forward to hopefully some of those becoming true as well. Um, Chris Statlander knocking up Penelope Ford, Dustin Rhodes beating Sean Spears. Uh, the Statlander-Ford match was fine, but no real drama there. Britt Baker, unfortunately, had to be replaced by uh, Ford after getting injured last week on Dynamite. She'll be out, she said, on Dynamite until um, All Out, which is unfortunate. But the match was what it was. Dustin Rhodes and Sean Spears I had a much bigger issue with. Just a complete waste of time. And I think my problem really here is that you know if this happened in WWE, it would be called the worst episode of Raw ever. Fire these writers. What the hell is going on? But because AEW does it, not that it's being praised or anything, but I don't see the same amount of backlash over it as I would on an episode of Raw or NXT or SmackDown. This was just flat-out terrible. The match served no purpose in the, in the first place, but we figured last week, okay, Sean Spears has got to win. The guy always loses, never wins when it matters most. He has to win this match. And then, of course, not only does he lose, he was embarrassed in defeat. The only good thing I can say about it is that it was short, but it was probably three minutes longer than it needed to, and it was probably like three minutes and five seconds. The match was just a complete waste. Um, any any quick thoughts on these, RJ, and these matches? Yeah, uh, the, like you said, the Ford uh, Statlander match, that's just kind of, that's just, uh, Ford's a work in progress still. Statlander, I like a little bit. She's all right, but this is obviously meant for her and Britt. Obviously, she got hurt, so kind of, they could have just nixed it, honestly, and just got rid of it. It didn't really need to happen. Um, like you said, Spears and Rhodes, just a waste of time. Spears, is, everyone thought the pasture was going to be greener, and uh, down in Jacksonville for Sean Spears, the guy's been a complete loser since joining the company. I mean, I don't think he's won a fucking match and meant anything. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Jesus, he's better on WWE doing nothing at that point, sitting and catering, then losing every week. Like you said, the whole spanking of his ass, and like, just, just oh my God, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, and the, the picture of the pillow down to Jacksonville would get better for him, but I ain't looking too hot. The picture of Tully Blanchard on his crotch, like, dude, come on, like, what purpose is this supposed to serve? Like, yeah, comedy, like people saying, oh, obviously, got to get some comedy on the show. It's only comedy if it's funny, and I don't, I didn't see anyone laughing personally, aside from the shills in the audience. I didn't see anyone laughing. I thought this was incredibly dumb. Moving on though to something much better, I thought this was. Arguably one of, if not the best, women's match I've seen today in AEW. Hikaru Shida knocking up Nyla Rose in a no count out, no disqualification match to become the all new AEW Women's Champion. Um, I mean, it was the result I was hoping for. Nyla Rose has only been champion since February. She wasn't even around for a majority of her reign due to the whole quarantine thing. I think she's from the New York area, so that would make sense why they didn't bring her in for the uh, you know the last batch of tapings in April. And it stinks. I mean, I know you're not a big Rose fan at all. She's grown on me. Um, but I wasn't disappointed that she lost just because Sheeta, and I've said this before, if it wasn't Sheeta, who else do you have Rose drop the belt to as this monster heel? That just goes to show how depleted this division is. This division, I know I saw Omega saying, oh my God, if you saw this match on, on Saturday, then you, would, you know, then you would know that this division needs no help. Which, my fucking ass, because... The matches are getting a lot better. I thought this was a great match, dude. Don't get me wrong. But there are still only maybe four or five women in this division that matter. And you could say the same thing about WWE. But at least they use a majority of their women, whether you like them or not. I mean, at least Tamina's on TV. When was the last time that Sadie Gibbs, who I'm not even sure if you know who that is, was on TV? She was, she's been on Dark since they signed her. Big Swole, same thing. Shayna, or Shauna, whatever her name is, same exact thing. Like, a majority of the women they have under contract aren't even on the shows. And it's nice they're building up different women, and I think the division is in a lot better of a place now than it was a year ago. But you only really have Rose, 
Sheeta. Riho's not there right now. Britt Baker's hurt. Um, Big Swole, again, has not been on the show in a long time, I don't think, aside from the, her being in the crowd at Double or Nothing, which was just annoying to me. Um, it, I don't know. I just I, I think this was the time to put the belt on Sheeta because right now, to me, aside from Rose, she's the only woman that matters in that division. No, I completely agree. Um, I've, I've been a big Sheeta fan since I've kind of gotten into her work. I think she has a great look. She's a great wrestler. Um, definitely someone that they definitely should have been building around before. I think she's better than Riho, so I'm surprised they didn't give it to her. Uh, it'd be the Nago champion. I'm glad they took the title off Rose. Not her biggest fan. I think she's not good in the ring at all. Uh, <laughs> it was, this actually was a good match. I think we were saying last week that why did they need the stipulation? The stipulation definitely wasn't needed. The, the feud wasn't like this fucking grudge match that needed a no DQ match, but they did well with the stipulation. I thought it added to the match, which is nice. You usually want the stipulation to add to the match, not take away from it. So that was a fun match. Um, Sheeta winning was definitely the right the right uh, outcome here. Now what does she do? Is kind of more what I would think. They don't really have too many heels that are, I would say, are good. Um, Penelope Ford's still a work in progress. Britt's going to be out to all out at least. Um, maybe just kind of feed her some of these lower tier people. Like you said, Sadie Gibbs. I think she was on Dynamite once. Uh, Big Swole's resident uh, AEW Dark uh, wrestler. Don't even know who the fuck Shayna is. Couldn't even tell you who that is. So um, they definitely work in the division. They only have a few people that mean anything. Glad she'd have won, but. I'm, I was, I like you said, I agree with you that they need to build more people. Yeah, no, definitely. I like Sheeta a lot. I'm glad that she won the championship. Now it becomes a question of who does she face from here? She had that competitive match for no reason on Dynamite. I'm not really sure why she gave that woman as much offense as she did, but it was what it was. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, you could do her and Riho again and, and a rematch from All Out from last year, but I don't know when Riho will be back on the show. I'm not sure when the whole travel restriction ban will be lifted or adjusted, whatever. Um, there's that. They can do the Rose rematch. Her and Statlander could be nice. Um, they give her some more, you know, more momentum. Ford isn't quite there yet. They have other women, again, they're just not on the show really at all. Brandy Rhodes, you got a big pop out of what I said on Wednesday about how she doesn't even really wrestle, and I'm glad because she's terrible. Um, Allie isn't really in the ring at all, so they got to figure some shit out. But I'm glad that they, that they over-delivered on this show. I thought this was a very good match. I wasn't expecting much, just because Rose's matches to me are very hit or miss. The first Reho match was not great. The rematch, I thought, was a lot better. Um, the Statlander match sucked at Revolution. This was amazing. I thought this was great. Again, the stipulation was not needed, but I do think the match benefited, ultimately, from having that step. So, I'm glad they had a great match. Sheeta, your new champion. Uh, John Moxley versus Brody Lee, and also what felt like a no-DQ match, even though it wasn't, for the AEW World Championship. It was a real question coming into the show whether Brody Lee could deliver on a main event level. Now, I didn't think it was the greatest match of all time, but I didn't. Th- I did think it was an inter- entertaining match. They had good chemistry. Brody Lee held his own. Looked good in defeat. Wasn't pinned. Didn't submit. He just merely passed out. I thought it was a good match, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, any thoughts here, RJ, on John Moxley retaining the championship over Brody Lee? That was a good match. I wouldn't say it was a great match. That was fun. Um, don't didn't really understand. The, like, like I said, the finish was what it was. I guess, like you said, didn't want him to get pinned, but don't put him in the match to begin with. Um, it's kind of weird booking in my my eye. But I thought, like you said, they had good chemistry. It was a good match. The DDT, or whatever the fuck you call it, in the off the, that was a pretty neat spot, but I don't know. It, it, I just, at that point, I thought it was just going to end like 
not no D, it wouldn't be like DQ, but they just end it there and be like, oh, I can't compete. Like, I would have taken that over him just passing out. Mm-hmm. Didn't really like that, but for what it was, I thought it was a good match, and interesting. He was on the show last night, so interesting to see what they do with uh, Brody Lee. Yeah, no, I was just thinking about that as I was talking about it. They didn't have the Dark Order on the show last night. Do you think we see Brody Lee next week just beating up the Dark Order and maybe either, maybe not severing ties with the group, but do you think that the uh, the rest of the Dark Order might be in trouble come next week, like getting beat up by Brody or something? They could. Uh, we'll see. Interesting to see what they do with them. Um, they weren't really on the show. They did offer like Cole Cabana one of those like flyers. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Besides that, they weren't on the show at all. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think he's better with groups, so I, I, I don't want them to disband from them, but I'll be interested to see what they do. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. I think going for the top championship off the get-go and then losing isn't a great look. But then again, Brian Cage is doing the exact same thing. So it's not to say that they're dead in the water if they lose. As we say all the time, dude, it's all about the aftermath. Um, but with the main event, Stadium Stampede match, I really didn't know what to expect from. I heard good things going in. But again, that could be, you know, typical AEW, like, oh, it's going to be amazing and it's just good or great or whatever. It's not like the greatest thing you've ever seen. But this was every bit as good as I thought that everyone was making it out to be going in in terms of the people who were a part of it that were promoting it going in. This was great because they taped it on Friday, um, had that cinematic feel. People were all butthurt making it, you know, about how, oh, it's not a cinematic match. Listen, you fucking moron. If they have different camera cuts, they may not have the music and they may have commentary. To me, a cinematic match is there's no one there. They have multiple camera cuts. They clearly edited it and it was filmed in advance. To me, that is a cinematic match. It may not be the ultimate deletion, but it was close enough. I thought this was great. Um, I thought they did a great job with the Matt Hardy incarnations thing. Uh, Adam Page coming out on the horse was amazing. They had Matt Hardy and Kenny in the golf cart chasing after Sammy at one point. That one-winged angel through the whatever it was at the end there from Omega to Sammy was awesome. Just the whole show, the whole thing was just a complete spectacle, and I thought it delivered very funny moments. The commentary was well done. Uh, just a nice, you know, it, it was just a masterpiece, just a gem of a match, in my opinion. I, I really, really enjoyed it, and I think Jericho... Hardy, people like that really thrive in this type of a uh, creative environment. So, uh, Mr. Marceau, what was your big takeaway from the Stadium Stampede? Did it live up to the hype for you? Yeah, I thought it was a really fun match. I, one thing I just, right off the bat, it didn't drag at all, and it wasn't actually a really thoroughly long match. I think it may be a little bit under 30 minutes, which is always great. Um, the time that they had it, that they utilized great. I love the football references with Jericho and challenging. And throwing <laughs> I knew you would like that, yeah. <laughs> With uh, Matt Jackson dancing, they threw a flag, and then he super kicked the referee. I thought that was funny. Them drowning Matt Hardy and doing like the different Hardys was funny as well. Um, Hangman on the horse, them meeting him at the bar, him and Kenny. I thought like everything there. I didn't think anything was like, oh, that was stupid. I think that with what they were given it was great. Like you said, there definitely was a cinematic match. I mean, they did. It was edited and taped. I mean, come on. Just because, like you said, it wasn't final deletion doesn't mean it wasn't cinematic. It definitely was, but. I really enjoyed it. Can't people? I think people are getting the expectations they're going to do these more. I think they're probably doing less once they get more crowd. This is the benefit of having no crowd that they can do these kind of matches. Not, no one's going to want to pay, like you said, pay all that money to see a match that's not right in front of your eyes and watch mm-hmm. on a big. So, from what from what they what they can do, it was a great match. Definitely, um, definitely worth checking out. That was a really fun match. 
Yeah, and I thought it was really well done. I forgot to mention that too, but all the football references were great. Um, the charge at the beginning from the two sides of the football field, the entrances were great. Just the whole thing was just a lot of a lot of fun um, and exactly what I want and expect from pro wrestling, and I thought they delivered in spades. I mean, needless to say, dude, they made the right call in putting that on last over the Lee Moxley match, right, despite that being for the world championship. I completely agree. If the, the show would have seemed like a even – it would have ended in a worse – I think a worse uh, – feeling if it ended with uh, Lee and Moxie with like kind of that non not non-finish but not like tap like yeah yeah no I agree and it also an outcome that we all expected to I don't think anyone really thought that Lee was taking the title I think this one had a lot more uncertainty surrounding the outcome with the elite and inner circle and ultimately was the elite that went over picking up the victory um, if they do do blood and guts at some point which I was thinking about last night they still could at some point down the road maybe then they could have the inner circle redeem themselves. I know they're doing Jericho and Tyson, which we'll get to momentarily. But actually, no, we'll go right into the Dynamite stuff since we're kind of on the AEW you know, stride right now anyway, so why not? Um, Tyson, Jericho, it was not announced, but teased heavily at the end of last night's Dynamite on Wednesday night. Um, a, a good segment with the whole pep rally thing. Part of me was kind of worried that when they do this type of shit after a big loss that it leads to someone getting ousted from the group. Not always like a loss, but like when Randy Orton won the championship at SummerSlam 15 years ago, he got um, immediately bumped from Evolution the next night. Or Kevin Owens had this big win over as Universal Champion, whatever. You know, soon after he, uh, you know, knocked he, he knocked off Jericho and he was out of uh, you know, they, they, he betrayed him, whatever. So I was kind of hoping that that wouldn't be the case and they wouldn't like bump out Sammy for losing or some shit like that. Instead, it was Mike Tyson who was advertised to appear, interrupting the pep rally and getting into this you know, Austin Tyson-esque brawl, which it wasn't, but that's a, clearly what they were going for here, um, to kind of seemingly set the stage for a future fight in AEW. Now, he had other MMA fighters with him. I'm not overly familiar with who they were. Um, did you recognize the people that were with Tyson, RJ? Yeah. And who was, they were? Uh, who were they? Hedda was with him, Rashad Evans, and I think who else was there? I think I remember. Oh, I don't remember the last guy. But yeah, that's I, I, I at least recognize two of the guys. Oh, um, was it um not Lafort? I'm thinking Sylvester oh, Lafort. Vitor Belfort. Yeah, Belfort. Yeah, yeah. I know he was in the crowd. I think for for double or nothing. That's why I remember that. Uh, what was your reaction to the segment, seeing those guys out there with Tyson? And do you have any excitement at all for a potential Tyson Jericho match? Nah, it is what it is. I guess. I mean, I'm not a big fan of it. Just, just kind of seems kind of random, if you ask me. But. We'll see what they can do. I mean, well, I'll go with it because, like I said, at this point, where do you really do with Jericho? So it's definitely interesting. Gang Tyson involved is pretty neat, but definitely wouldn't say I'm like over the top thrilled for it. So I will say there. I, I will say this: pros and cons to this whole Jericho Tyson thing. The pro is that there's a history there. Jericho brought up their history from Raw over ten years ago, so it's not completely random. Another pro is that Jericho is involved. I mean, the guy is just that. He's a pro. I think he he really turns anything he's been involved in in recent years to complete gold, whether it was a fucking list or whether he was in Japan or as the AEW World Champion, getting all over all this shit to even a, a, a box of, you know, a, a bottle of wine he got over uh, recently in AEW, his own wine line as the as a little bit of the bubbly. So I think there's that. The con is that Mike Tyson is 50-something years old. And honestly, dude, looking up his age, I thought he was older. I thought this guy was 60-something. He does not look amazing. I mean, physically, he's in great shape, it seems. And he's been getting in shape recently, which is awesome. He just looks really, really old to me. The other thing is that 
I know I'm. It's a little different, but can you shine some light, dude, on how much different this is than doing Braun and Tyson Fury in WWE? I know Jericho's in better shit, not better. I mean, he's actually older than Braun, and that was just a shit fest from the beginning. But is this really that much different? Bringing in a professional boxer, a notable name from outside of pro wrestling, and people fucking shit all over Tyson Fury, which to me made no sense. The guy's a fan; he wants to help out WWE. Whatever. I know Tyson is more of a notable name for wrestling fans with the whole Austin thing twenty years ago, and they're kind of copying what they did with that whole thing back in WWF in the Attitude Era. Uh, can can you kind of shine some light on how different this is from the whole Tyson Fury Braun Strowman thing late last year? I would say it's pretty much the same thing. The only kind of difference, only kind of difference is I would say Tyson Fury is more of a current. It's more of a. I'm not. I would say he's a bigger name because Tyson's huge, but he's more on the limelight now after that big. Like that was leading up to that big fight that he had. So I mean, yep. I think he had more variety going in at that point. But um, it's pretty much the same thing. A well-known boxer versus a wrestler. I mean, the only the thing is, I bet you. Strowman and Tyson Fury are closer in age. Like they're probably in the same age range, and then Tyson and Jericho are on the same age range. That's kind of that's only they're older and they're younger. That's kind of the only difference, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know Tyson Fury's a lot younger, um, and he's obviously in more of his prime than Tyson is. But then, then Mike Tyson. Very confusing. Two different Tysons, but then Mike Tyson is. I don't know. I mean, I'm more excited for Tyson and Jericho, but for people shitting on WWE for like, oh man, why are you bringing in all these celebrities when you could be focusing on your current roster, which I agree with, and I've said that before myself here on the show, isn't it kind of the same thing due to the AEW? I mean, they've brought in Brian Cage, they brought in Brody Lee, Matt Hardy, the FDR just showed up. Like, do they really need to be building to a Jericho-Tyson feud at this point? Like, when they have other people on the roster that Jericho could be feuding with, like a Darby Allen or something? Yeah, but I think Jericho's so high as a heel that need like another big baby face for him to go against right now. So I think that's why they're going with that direction, or just kind of get more namesake. Oh, to Mike Tyson's on the show, trying to get that those people in. But besides that, it's the only real benefit I see. Yeah, just a little bizarre. That's all. I know. Um, you know, with Mike Tyson, they might hope to do a big buy rate for that all-out pay-per-view or Fighter Fest, whatever. I mean, obviously Jericho's not winning. So, I just one of those things where they bring in the celebrity, they win, they leave. It doesn't really benefit anyone. I know Jericho's not a young up-and-comer, but, like, he's already lost the last two big pay-per-view matches, so are you going to have him lose again? Like, that's my question. Like, he's already lost the AEW World title. He lost the Stadium Stampede. They might win blood and guts when they do it at some point, but he probably isn't beating Tyson. So, it kind of seems like a lose. Not a lose-lose, but, I don't know, it just kind of puts the roster in a weird position. Um, nonetheless, though, real quickly, also from AEW, before we move on, just mention them, FDR, the former Revival from WWE, showing up at the beginning of Wednesday's Dynamite, not laying out the Young Bucks, but rather helping them out attack the Butcher and Blade, who, who gives a shit about them. Um, so clearly planting the seeds for a future match, I'm so happy they're not immediately going into it, like they did with, um, not immediately, but like they kind of did Santana Ortiz versus the Bucks right off the bat. Santana and Ortiz ultimately lost, and they have not been really relevant since. I know they're in the inner circle, but they haven't really felt like a threat at all. Um, I'm glad they're building to it. They might save it for All Out or at some point down the road. Your thoughts on the inevitable debut of the revival on last night's Dynamite, RJ? That was great to see him wrestling. I mean, like you want them to rush them. I think that's like the obviously the big money match and versus the Bucks. So hopefully they will all out or another big show to do that at. Interesting to see what happens. I, I fear for them. Who knows with the 
so far I've won the better, but I went in years better. I just fear for them. I think that tag team division just so many teams that eventually once they're done with the Bucks, what do you do with them? Like I could see them just doing wrong with the Bucks and kind of falling right where Santana Ortiz are just teams hope keep them special, but I don't hope so. No, I agree. You were cutting out a little bit there, but I know you mentioned Santana and Ortiz. Now, they don't really feel special. Um, I know FTR has really beaten down like a dead horse in WWE over the last number of months. But, um, I, I mean, not even months, years in the, in, the, in the years they were on the main roster. But they have a chance to kind of start anew on AEW with the Bucks. It was only inevitable, I felt. It would be cool to see them pop up elsewhere. I'm not sure what their contracts dictate in terms of where they can appear when everything opens up again, that is. But, um, yeah, cool to see them in AEW. I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a Revival fan, so I'm looking forward to those matches. It's been a long time coming. A long time coming. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they could do with those guys at some point, probably at All Out, later on in August. So we'll transition now from AEW to WWE, starting with Raw on Monday. One of the biggest highlights coming out of the show, the all-new United States champion Apollo Crews being crowned after beating Andrade on Monday night. Good match. Apollo Crews honestly was not expecting him to pick up the championship this past week. Um, he had some momentum before getting hurt, quote-unquote, which I doubt was real, um, before being pulled from the Money in the Bank ladder match. He comes back, pins Andrade, I believe, or actually Garza in that tag team match last week. I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it was Austin Theory, actually. It was Theory, because that's when he got booted. But anyway, so Apollo Crews, all-new United States champion. Gotta ask, RJ, your thoughts on the championship change, and is this going to be any different than any other time they tried to push Apollo Crews in the past? And do you want it to be? Um, I hope so. I, I think the only issue I have is they should have put it on him a couple weeks ago, and I felt like he had more momentum, and then they had the fake injury thing. I think yeah, it was a fake injury. I don't think that was a real thing. Um... I would have just put him on that point. I think that's when he had like his most momentum. But when he announced, good. Um, interesting to see what they do with him. I, I I don't I don't have a ton of hope for the guy. I think they've pushed and stopped pushed this guy so many times. It could be one of those things they push him now. Once you go back to an audience, he fans sit on their hands again, and then they just deep push him again. So I think he's more benefiting from no crowd because I feel like the he never really had the most connection with the crowd. So interesting to see maybe if they book him real well and he looks strong. Well, the next couple months, once they go back to crowd, people start caring about him again. Um, but I'm glad to see him win. I think Andrade's lost so much lately that kind of needed to lose the belt, even though the belt really means shit at this point. So interesting where it goes here um, with Andrade. I think it could lead to a split between him and Garza as well. Um, but we'll see what happens. Who do you think steps up to face Apollo Crews this Monday and Raw? It will be an open challenge. So who do you think his first challenger is going to be for the United States Championship? I'd probably say Garza. Garza. Yeah, well, I was going to say Garza beating uh, Kevin Owens on this show. Bit of a surprise upset victory. Um, Garza had a lot of momentum when he first came up to the main roster earlier this year. They cooled off on him after, uh, surprisingly, as soon as he joined up with Andrade and Austin Theory. And they had a good little stable going before being booked to look like losers all the time. And it looks like they might be setting up a split between Andrade and Garza. Not that they... You know, teased it on the show, but Andrade was shown very frustrated backstage after losing the championship. Maybe Zelina says, hey, you're a loser. You're out of here. Garza's my new client. Um, your thoughts and kind of the resurgence of Andrade, uh, not Andrade, I'm sorry, Angel Garza, and do you think this might be how um, they kind of focus solely on him as Zelina Vega's only client? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it was a very surprising when I was actually shocked that he won here. Um, he needed the win, though. Like you said, he, 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 he was winning constantly when he got called up. And then once he joined uh, Zelina Vega's stable, he just kept losing and losing and losing. 
Um, so I was glad to see him win here. I think they could tease him leaving. or so, He's teasing some of the Charlie Caruso, so it's interesting to see what they do there. I think that would be kind of neat if they had either her managing him or kind of align with him. Um, interesting to see what happens, but glad to see him back in the uh, win category. Austin Theory and Murphy knocking off Humberto Carrillo and Alistair Black in tag team action with Theory uh, pinning Carrillo, which was very refreshing as we discussed over text a couple of days ago. Um, how do you think uh, Theory is off as a, and as a member of Rollins' new cult faction? Uh, how do you think he did on Monday, and who else would you like to see join the faction as Rollins teased a couple of days ago? I, thought, I think he fits well with them. I, I, not that just because he's white and they were Hispanic, Latino. I just didn't think he really... <laughs> Fit in with Zelina uh, Vega and their group. They just doesn't. He just didn't fit in with them. And I think as a disciple, he kind of fits that part a lot better. Um, glad to see him win here, especially picking up him himself. Actually picking up the win with uh, getting the pinfall there. That was great to see. Um, I, I would like to see him add Ruby Riot. I mean, they don't, they don't have any women in the group. I think she could use it. She could use it a little refresher. I think since her, her biggest biggest runs of ours with with the Riot Squad, and then they kind of just dropped it from there. I think she has a lot of untapped potential, and throw her in the group and make her feel a bit more special and help out that women's division. What was the point, dude, of that triple threat match to determine the new number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship with Nia beating Charlotte and Natalya? If Natalya has not won a match on TV in over six months, Charlotte is the NXT Women's Champion, and Nia was feuding with Kyrie and Asuka anyway. What was the point? There wasn't a point. It was just just to make it in stone that she had to win a match to get the title shot. The whole story so far has been her with her, Oscar and Kyrie. So I mean, anyone, an idiot could have figured out that she was going to win the match and she was going to be the one that's going to face Oscar. That's what the story was going towards. So I think it was just kind of they wanted to get the match and say that she won a match to be no more contenders because technically she she didn't really do anything to basically earn that title shot. So that's kind of maybe her earning her keep. But the story all along. Since Oscar's been champion, it was her facing Nia Jax. So, a little weird, but I guess they wanted to make it seem like she beat people to, to win it. Maybe she beat Shayna Baszler, who they've seemingly given up on, it seems like. It made it made made me care a little bit more. I mean, Natalia, like you said, hasn't won a match in years. And she no one cares really about her at all. And Charlotte's on, on NXT. So, I mean, Nia winning was a fucking foregone conclusion. Yeah, no, it was just an odd match. It wasn't a bad match, but completely pointless. Did not need to happen. Uh, not overly anticipating Nia and Asuka. If anyone can get a passable match out of Nia Jax, it would be Asuka. But I'm not, I can't say I'm excited for it. Um, reportedly, not to spoil anything for Raw next week, which was taped reportedly already, um, Nia Jax, again, injuring Kyrie Sane during their reported match for next Monday. Does this surprise you at all? No, I mean, come on. Who, who hasn't she in? Just adding Kyrie to the I don't understand what this company is. She have to kill someone for them to give up on her? I, I just don't get it. She yeah. constantly. It's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. We gotta have a we gotta have a who's injured by Nia Jax this week's segment here on the show because I feel like it's a recurring thing at this point. Completely ridiculous. Uh, real quickly from NXT overall, I thought it was a very good show. We did find out that Drake Maverick, despite being unemployed, reportedly, I'm not really sure what the case with this is, uh, beating Jake Atlas and Kushida in the triple threat match to go on to face El Ijo Del Fantasma next week to determine the interim NXT Cruiserweight champion. Um, I thought this was a good match. I'm liking the Maverick story. A little bit surprised by the outcome, but he is facing Fantasma next week. So your thoughts on Maverick advancing RJ, and who wins the Cruiserweight Championship next week, Maverick or Fantasma? I think it, I think it was a good match. I, it's still a little weird. Is he employed? Is he not? Don't really get that at all. Um, but I think it'll be a good match next week. 
I'm leaning towards Maverick because I feel like that's the end game, but I also feel like Phantasma might win. I want to lean towards Maverick, but I'd rather Phantasma win. And we also have set in stone for TakeOver In Your House. I thought they would save that match for In Your House. Apparently not. They probably have a stack card as it is already. Um, so I was a little surprised they didn't save that. I'm very surprised they didn't save Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle, which we'll get to in a moment. But what they're not, what they are saving, thankfully, is the triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship. Flair, Shirai, Ripley, triple threat match. I'm looking forward to that. Your thoughts real quickly on that being announced. We'll get to predictions next week, but also the tag team match with Flair and Chelsea Green, her mystery partner, knocking off Shirai and Ripley on Wednesday. Yeah, the, the tag team match is kind of just the further the feud between Shirai and Ripley. I mean, trying to get them kind of on the on the wrongs again. I thought it was a decent match, was what it was. Obviously, the spotlight's on the three of them. I'm excited for that. Shirai has to win here. If she doesn't win here, might as well just go back to Japan and wrestle over there. She, she's just dead in the water at that point. She's had so many title opportunities. She'd just be looked at as a loser. She can't win this one. She's even at the beat Charlotte. She can just beat Rhea and then... I don't know, but I think this is her time to shine. If she doesn't win here, there's no time for her. I'm surprised they had EO get pinned. They had Flair pin EO, and I don't know how that was supposed to make me look at her as more of a threat to the championship. Same thing with Rhea. I thought that was a little odd. Not that they should always have the champion get beat, but it was a lot like when they had Nyla Rose pin Sheeta before the Double or Nothing pay-per-view last week. I thought it was a little odd. This was also strange. At least Sheeta went on to put Rose through a table on that same show. EO just got pinned and was made to look like a complete loser. So I'm not really sure what they're going for here. And you know for a fact that if Charlotte retains on that show, that EO is eating that pinfall. So I'm not really sure what they're going for here. And I, I said the exact same thing to Alexis last night. If she loses again at that show, she may as well pack it up and head back to Japan, be paid that pretty penny, and get paid for being a top talent over there. Because not that her run's been a bust at all. She's had a great run here in NXT. But lately... Doesn't really seem like they see her on being uh, as being on the same level as a Rhea or a Charlotte, which she absolutely is. Uh, finally, from NXT, the NXT Fight Pit match between Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher with Kurt Angle as the special guest referee. Um, I, I don't know if this is polarizing. I didn't see many reactions on the match. I thought it was great. I thought it was very cool, different. Because when they said cage match last week, I'm like, dude, how many fucking cage matches have we seen in AEW, specifically WWE, specifically NXT? They did two on one show a couple of months ago. I'm like, are you kidding me? But this was not that. This was a fight pit. Kind of gave me an MMA feel, like the Lions Den from back in the day between Owen and Ken Shamrock. Um, I thought this was great. They made great use of the stipulation. Felt like a fight. I doubt that, you know, him losing teeth was real. I assume that was part of the match. But uh, it was a great visual. Nonetheless, Timothy Thatcher picking up the big win in the end. So I thought this was really, really cool. What about you, RJ? Really fun match. Glad, like I said, it's kind of not a new stipulation, but newer, not your normal steel cage. Felt like a big fight. And I, some rumors Riddle's leaving, so Thatcher gets the win on the, on the way out. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that. I completely forgot. But what about Matt Riddle? Um, reportedly being SmackDown bound. Are you looking forward to that? What are your thoughts on that happening? Um, I think he could have done a lot more in NXT, so I'm not sure why they're main shotting him right now. But I fear for him. I feel fear for any NXT talent at this point going up to the main roster. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. But first of all, I think he fits SmackDown well. But with SmackDown, with what it's been since it became a Fox show back in October, I'm not anticipating it at all. Like, I really am not him being on... I'm not really looking forward to him being on SmackDown just because I'm not really sure what... Like, don't call people up just because, oh, okay, they've done everything in NXT. Like, you have to have a plan for them, I feel, on the main roster. And it doesn't really seem like there's any one opponent like, oh, he can come up and face this guy. Like, 
maybe Sheamus. Um, I, I don't even really know. Maybe AJ for the IC Championship. What'd you say? Exactly. There's not really any like t- t- at least for us clear cut plan for them. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Like they have some players now on SmackDown. They brought back an AJ. They have a few different people there. They're focusing on Jeff Hardy's back. Sheamus is back. But doesn't really seem like they have a clear cut plan. I don't want to see. Okay, maybe it does kind of make sense because he was teasing it when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, but King Corbin, like, that is a first feud to me. And unless he's winning every fucking match and beating him like Cassius Ono in six seconds, then I have no desire to see that feud whatsoever just because Corbin feels like a fucking black hole for people to feud with. So I really hope that doesn't happen. But to close out the episode, we're bringing back the yay or boo segment as we wrap up here with some things that I want to get your two cents on, but we don't have to go too in-depth with. But uh, yay or boo on WWE adding people to the crowd from the Performance Center for Raw and NXT so far this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm big yay on this one. I thought it brought a little bit more energy, a little bit more regular feeling. Yay on it. Didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but they further teased tension between Peyton Royce and Billy Kay on Monday. Yay or boo in a potential iconic split? Nay, because I think they're better together, even though they're not that great together anyways. But if they're both on their own, who gives a shit? <laughs> I like Peyton Royce, but Billy Kay would be fired faster than I, I don't even know. She'd be gone pretty quickly, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I like Peyton Royce as well, but I think they're just better as a team. No, yeah, I agree. I don't love the Iconics anyway, at least since they've been brought up to the main roster, but I think they are better together than they are on their own. Um, MJF and Warlow also teasing a split. I know the answer to this one, but yay or boo? Nay, boo, nay, boo, fuck (laughs) in there why would they even why would they even do that already like we were just saying dude not even a week ago mj and wardlow or a money pairing why would they even bother teasing breaking them up already hopefully that was just for the battle royal i hope to god i'm i'm fearful <laughs> i'm fearful yeah, that would be incredibly dumb. At least not before MJF hopefully goes to the World Championship at All Out. I think that'd be booking malpractice. Um, Deanna Perrazzo signing with Impact Wrestling, A or Boo? Definitely, yeah. I'm glad to see her get a job right away. Don't watch a ton of Impact, but I may have to start tuning in. Their women's division's really stacked, and I'm a big fan of her. So definitely, definitely good for them. I'm glad to see her get a job quickly. Yeah, I think she's uh she's a great fit there. Um, I couldn't really see her in AEW to be honest with you. They need more women, but I don't I don't know I don't really see her thriving in uh, AEW the same way that she might in Impact. She's been with Impact before, doing various uh, matches for them over the last number of years. So it's cool to see her there. And as I tweeted out the other day, they have a ton of women. Like not Tessa Blanchard alone is a, is a dime. It's a dime and a dozen. She's great. So you have Tessa Blanchard, you have Tennille Dashwood, who's also great. She hasn't done a lot there at all, but they have her. Jordan Grace, they have Rosemary, who's been there forever. They have, um, what was the other one? Taya Valkyrie. They have a lot of very good talent. Kira Hogan is an up-and-comer that's very good. Madison Rain is an established one. Uh, They're bringing in a lot of different women, including Deanna Peraza, so I like the move. She may not win a championship like Danielle Dashwood. They made a big deal about her signing. Did absolutely nothing with her, so that's not to say that she'll thrive there, but I do think she has a better chance of finding success there than she will in, you know, Ring of Honor again or even in AEW. Um, Yay or boo on Chelsea Green. This did not happen on the show last night, but it did happen on the WWE.com exclusive, dumping Robert Stone and apparently leaving the Robert Stone brand now now that she won her match in NXT. Yay or boo? Who cares? <laughs> I'm not really sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I like Robert Stone, the former Robbie E, but I'm not really sure if that's going to make much of a difference or what's really going to change. Um, she's a good talker on her own, so I wasn't really sure what they were doing with that in the first place, but... 
You know, hopefully he can just incorporate Aaliyah into his act and they could just ride off into the into the distance and we'll never see them again. Agreed. Uh, yay or boo on Cody Rhodes starting up an open challenge as AEW TNT champion. Um, I'll, I'll say yay, but not that I have an issue with it, like the battle royal or whatever. I just think they missed like like why wasn't Lance Archer in it? Why wasn't Darby Allen in it? Yep. Like, it was all like, losers. People, yeah, it was a lot of losers in there. So I say yay, but I feel like he also has faced a lot of those guys already. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with them. Yeah, I think it could be a great outlet for Cody to face some fresh faces. I mean, we've never seen him in Jungle Boy before, so that could be a great match. Him and Darby would eventually be awesome. They've had a lot of good matches, and Darby eventually taking that title from him would be cool. Um, they could do an Archer rematch. They could bring in a former WWE. Like, I think it's, I mean, I'm calling it right now, dude. It really just kind of writes itself. He has to face at some point. Not that you're overly looking forward to this. But I think Zack Ryder just makes all the sense in the world, given their history, given their friendship. It seems like he would be going there anyway. So bringing in Ryder when his no, a non-compete clause you know, runs out, I mean, that just makes sense to me. Um, maybe someone else from WWE, but you know, a, a lot of fresh faces. MJF would, would be a no-no because I think he's above that championship. But I'm looking forward to it. Finally, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, one more time eh, for the NXT Championship, a takeover in your house, yay or boo? Boo. <laughs> Why is that? I just don't care at this point. I feel like he's had so many chances, he's lost again. Don't care. Who would you? Well, we've discussed this before, but who would you put in that spot instead? I agree. I don't want to see the match again. He's already beaten him decisively. What'd you say? Remember when we discussed Keith Lee? I would have done Keith Lee over this. Keith Lee or oh man, I don't. I'm not sure. He's already faced Riddle, but that was like a typical TV match, so I would have had Riddle in that spot. But it looks like he's heading up, so I don't know. I think Keith Lee would be cooler, but uh. Yeah, not a big, not a big Cole Dream 2 fan at all. Well, it could be a good match, but it doesn't really, Dream is not on fire whatsoever since the whole pandemic happened and no crowds, but it is what it is. That is our TakeOver In Your House main event for next weekend, which we will discuss next week right here on WrestleRant Radio, um, our preview predictions and picks for every match on the NXT TakeOver In Your House card, in addition to breaking down all the latest news and notes from the world of professional wrestling. So next week might be a shorter show from RJ and I. I'm debating whether putting up an interview at the start of the show, so I'm not really sure on that yet. It might be the Montez Ford interview who I'm talking to. I was supposed to actually talk to him today. got pushed to tomorrow, so I have more time for that. But that might be on the show next week. It might be something else. I don't know, but stay tuned for that. You can find new episodes of the show every single Thursday, not only on nextairwrestling.net, but simply go to WrestleRantRadio.com. It'll lead you to all the links, on, including Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, uh, we're on uh, Podbean, all the popular podcast platforms. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show for new episodes every single Thursday. That being said, Mr. Marceau, people can find you on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. Great time as always, Mr. Marceau. Any final parting thoughts before we ride off into the sunset here? Nothing, GSM. <laughs> Nothing. Did you watch the race at all? But oh, actually, no, you said it got postponed. Tonight. Tonight. Okay. F1. What On, on F1. FS1? Watch it. 7 o'clock, watch it. 7 o'clock, watch it. FS1. Yep. All right. I'll give you my two cents next week here on the show. In addition to my Aladdin review, which I have yet to watch. I apologize. Wow. Oh, I also <laughs> have a movie review. For, do you have Netflix? I do have Netflix. Have you seen The Wrong Missy yet? No, I know Roman Reigns is into that, right? It's with David Spade. It's like really dumb, but I, me and Molly loved it. It was really funny. Is it a comedy? 
Yeah, it's like stupid funny like the whole time though, and it, like it can get kind of annoying, but I'd recommend it still. I like that it's stuff. It's an hour and a half long. It's an hour and a half long. Oh, it. even better. I like I like the shorter stuff. So uh, I I have Netflix. I, I I like the comedy stuff personally. I'm not a big fan of like the serious movies, but okay, I'll check it out. Uh, what what's it called? It's something to Missy. The wrong Missy. I'll send you a text. The wrong Missy. Okay, yeah, definitely send me a text. But uh, all right, sounds great, Mr. Marceau. Awesome time as always. I'll chat with you next week. I'll catch you on the road. Hey, damn it. God damn it. The kids steal my line. See you later. Gimmick infringement. See you, brother.